Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. I'm sorry. I'm having a proud mama moment. My son that I raised is reviewing Age of Sigmar Soul Wars. Oh yeah, and Marty and Tony talk about origins. Welcome back to another incredible episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. It's not going to be as good as last episode, but this is episode number 147. Every time you go, I'm Tony. Now hold on, this is Marty by the way. How do you know, it may be even better than the last, you don't come into an episode saying... Yeah, this episode is not going to be nearly as good as the last one. Then people just hit the stop button and go on to their next show. Well, the reason why is I just listened to Board Games Insider with Ignacy and Steven. To, to, okay. to, uh, did you see Steven, by the way, at all? Oh, I sure did. And I had some of uh, Beth's chocolate bombs. Oh, So Beth is uh, a, a lady that helps out Stronghold Booth every convention. And she makes these incredible desserts. Mm-hmm. Her and her husband come. I've so had some. I was constantly going into the stronghold booth, and Bonacore thought it was coming to see him. Nope, it was to get those tasty desserts. But yes, I I hung out with with Bonacore for a little bit while I was at Origins. Well, that's good that you did that because I knew that you would be over there because you said you might be demoing games, or I knew you would definitely be over there for chocolate bombs. There oh, you yeah. go. But anyway, I was so back to what we were originally talking about. I was listening to Board Games Insider with Steven yes. and Ignacy, and Ignacy is already scared to death of the hype that's behind Detective. He went to the UK Game Expo, and he's getting all this praise for his next game, Detective, right? Yes. He was talking about he's scared of all that hype, kind of like First Martian did, and he's and it scares him when all there's all this hype. So wait a minute, does it scare him about this hype? I just want to make that clear. He he's scared hype. about the hype. He's scared. He's scared. He's scared. He's done. All right, I got it. So I don't want the hype for episode 147 to exceed 146. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. So, okay, so kind of like reverse psychology. Lower the expectations just a tad and then surprise people. Exactly. That's how it works. I like it. I like it. I do have a question, though. Every time you go, what what is that in reference to? You. I looked up this song. This is Every Time You Go by by who? Three. Three Doors Down. I have never heard this song in my entire You've life. Never, oh, well, you don't have the Three Doors Down collection, superset, deluxified like I do. Okay. Um, I, I, I was just really surprised that, well, I, well, I'm, are you, wait a minute, are you kidding? Oh, I don't have the Deluxified, but I do have three of their albums on CD. I did not realize you were a fan. Okay. Oh, I, I do. I really like Three Doors Down. And it's not just because of Kryptonite, but my favorite is, of course, my go-to song when I lose a game, I'm a loser. That's good that you pull out a more modern song, because if I was thinking along that lines, the, when I hear the words, every time you go and think of a song, I think of... Every Time You Go Away by Paul Young. Okay. So the other night on Jeopardy, yes, I'm old and I watch it. So does Travis, my son. He and Vanessa love to watch Jeopardy. Oh, I love it. Do they scream answers out back and forth? like? No, they don't. No. Oh, uh, now that Rebecca's at home living with us, the three of us sit there and see who can be. It's like we got our own little Jeopardy going on. So anyway, the other night, the super mega bonus final Jeopardy question came up and it was, Classic toys. 
Bet it all. <laughs> Bet it all. Bet it all. So, do, you, do you remember the answer? Let me see if I can get it. Yes. Okay. When this toy was released, it was patented as a fluid agitated dye. A fluid agitated dye. Mm-hmm. When this toy was released, it was patented as a fluid. Fluid agitated. Agi- fl- I'm sorry. Fluid suspended agitated dye. I don't know that I would call this a toy, but a, a lava lamp. Okay. Let, let me spell out the words for you because you should know this. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't think I need to spell out fluid. Uh-huh. Suspended. I think you got that one. Yeah. Agitated. I'm pretty sure. But my Southern accent may be throwing you off with the word die as in D-I-E as rolling dice. Oh, oh! I think I was thinking, I was thinking a dye suspended in fluid. D Y E. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a fluid suspended, agitated dye. Oh, a magic eight ball. Ba ba Yeah, yeah. If I'd have seen the word dye, I would out have gone that direction. But I was immediately thinking D Y E. Uh, see, that's I knew I needed to spell it out. It's like pen. When I say pen at the house, my wife either gives me a stick pen. She never gives me a writing instrument. They're pronounced the same way. Not according to her. Well, no, but she's not from here. Did you know there's this linguistics test that you can take? And one of the questions is, is there a difference in how you pronounce P-I-N and P-E-N? And if you say no, they automatically know that you're from the South. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Well, now you see you learn something every day. Oh, excuse me for a second. I've got to mute my, um, I can't mute my computer. I got to turn off notifications. Because our pod channel, I go out, tell them to be quiet, and our Slack backer pod channel, they, they explode. Yes. They just start talking. We're, we're recording, people. Stop it. And happy birthday, Jerry. 50, huh? Oh, one of our, uh, one of our listeners in the Slack channels turning 50? Yeah, he is. He wants advice because he knows you and I have hit that magical number. Don't accept it. Accept it. Embrace nope. it. You're closer to retirement. <laughs> I mean, you get free stuff when you turn 50? No, you don't. Yes, you do. There are small things. No, you things. don't. Okay, you're closer to 55 when you do. Like free cup of coffee at Hardee's. I don't drink coffee. I don't either. <laughs> you ain't getting anything free either. No, we're not. But that's fine. That's that's beside the point. That's beside the point. I wish him happy birthday, Jerry. You have a big time. Just know what's coming your way. A colonoscopy is coming your way. A colonoscopy is coming your way. That's awesome. Well, you know. Well, I know. That's that's the magic uh, scoping age right there. Exactly. And they're basically free. See, once again, I'm right. Things are free when you turn 50. If your medical insurance covers it, it's free. A free camera right up the old rumpster. That's it. Good times. Speaking of good times, did you have fun at Origins? I did have a very good time at Origins. This was a uh, this was an interesting Origins because usually when people go to these things, they're looking for a lot of the hot games that are coming out. There really weren't a lot of hot games at this show. And in fact, most of them actually came from one publisher, Plan B. Didn't they do this last year where they dropped Century Spice Road at Origins? They did, and they dropped a Century Eastern Wonder, which is the follow-up by our good buddy Emerson Matsuichi, who I got to hang out with for a little bit. This is a uh, so each one of these is the whole Century line is going to be a trilogy, and so the the first one's like an entry level game, and this one's like a little bit more complex. There's tile placement. Uh, and the next one is going to be a little more complex and he's working on it right now. And I asked, I asked him, you know, where he was in development and he, they're still trying to decide what direction they want to go with the game, uh, which came up with a really interesting, uh, question was, you know, has this been, has the idea been 
to do a trilogy all this time and you had plans for it. And actually the answer is no, they had not. So they just finished this one. Now he says, okay, now I got to do a third one. So we started working on it. So this wasn't pre-planned. Okay. But uh, we love Emerson, right? And oh, yeah. uh, he makes, he makes great games. And in fact, Tony, uh, hopefully or maybe our next episode, we can actually talk about this game because at our next game night, we're going to get together and play it and along with the request to play the other hot game from plan B Coimbra. Uh, which I heard a lot about from Essen last year. A lot of people praise this game. It's like a mid uh, medium weight game. I don't know much about it, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. And another game that was big uh, from Plan B Games is Reef, which was also by uh, by Emerson. And uh, it's it's a it's a lighter fare game, but still, those were the three games that were kind of really big, and they sold out like instantly. I thought Reef had already been uh, released. I'm confused. I'm going to have to go BGG that one later. You may have to, but they did have it there and it did sell out pretty quick and it was a hot game. Okay. An- another hot game that was there too was from Deepwater Games, Welcome To. Now I did get a copy of that. I know you like your roll and rights, but this is a, a card based roll and write, so there are no dice involved. That's okay. That's a drawing, right? A draw. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it may be. And for a real roll and write, uh, Bonacore hit us up with a copy of Steamrollers too. Yes. I know you. I yes. love you. Love trains and you oh, love roll and write. So this seemed to be the perfect merger for you. That's what we're talking about. And then there were a, a couple other games that I also thought of you uh, when I saw these. Uh, couple western themed games pioneer okay from queen games going to check that out pioneer days uh-huh. from tmg because i know you like your western see i was thinking about you the whole time you weren't there i had your game desires in mind when i went around and talked to people and now this one tony uh immediately when i saw this well, actually when i saw this i didn't think much about it it's a game from queen called franchise okay. um it is a game that is coming out from them later this year and the art spot eno tool and we, we like eno tool and his art style the idea is franchise opening franchise around a country mm-hmm. travis the gentleman from queen game said you know the game power grid you like power grid i said yes and i said and my coast really likes it he said well, then he's really going to like this game because this is like a power grid, but the idea is with franchises of like opening franchise stores instead. Oh, cool. I get to open up my own Mickey D's. Yes. And it's like there's networking and, and joining the networks together and going into a city and building up a bunch of franchises. And if you have the most in a city, there's a little bit of area control. Again, that wasn't out at the show, but coming uh, later on down the road that I thought you might be interested in. Oh, yeah. You had fun. There's no doubt about it because you got to hang out with some incredible people. I'm sure you didn't get in trouble. I heard no mention of bail money needed, though could have been. No bail money was needed. I uh, stayed with uh, Rodney and uh, some of the guys from the Secret Cabal, including uh, Jamie, Steve, and also Matt Evans from Board Game Replay, and a good friend of the Secret Cabal, Don. I was there too. Now, he's my brother from another mother because he's originally from Alabama. Uh-huh. So he and I, the two Southern guys, have to stick together, and basically we can talk our own co- in our own code and laugh at other people. It was great hanging out uh, with those guys. They had their uh, big secret cabal meetup on Friday night, and I was really impressed. Jamie decided to to downsize this, downplay this this time. You know how they usually have the big game giveaway? Yeah. He decided this year to forfeit on that. No, no big board game giveaway, knowing that that will probably deter people from coming. Well, it did. They only had 80 to 100 people show up, 
But those 80 to 100 people had the best time. In fact, they said it was one of their most favorite cabal meetups because the people that came to it are the people that really wanted to be there. That's good. His whole thing was, I bet a lot of people come to this just to try to win the games, then turn around and leave and maybe have never listened to us. I said, Jamie, that's, you know, a lot of people leave after you do give out the prizes. And he says, so let's just downscale it and and we did and he asked some people and i asked some people that were there we hung out till like you know one in the morning and people just had the best time just socializing with each other it wasn't crowded so the people that wanted to hang out with the secret cabal guys got a chance to and had a really good time and i think that may be it for prize giveaways for him at uh, origins i mean that may change in the future but he was very happy with that with how it went that night well, I, that's what it's all about. You've always said, and even when I've gone, it's it's summer camp for gamers. It's coming together, meeting everybody that you've seen, people you've met over time. So yeah, it is. It is summer camp uh, for board gamers, and also wild late night crazy antics occur too. Because on that secret cabal night, I was I was tired. Okay, because I I couldn't hang with the with those young folks. So about twelve thirty or so, I said, you know what, I'm just going to head on back to the room. I have learned. I would much rather go to bed a little bit early so I can be fresh the next day. Because if I'm dragging the next day, the whole day is just absolutely ruined. So anyway, I go back to the room. Tony, I'm sleeping peacefully. And about 2.30 a.m., I hear coming in. Now, this is a suite. So there's two rooms. The door opens and six guys walk into my room singing a rap song. And I can't say what the rap song was because it has a, a bad word in it. I'll just say it's from Ludacris. Okay. And uh, they were walking around my bed singing this song, waking me up because they had had some alcohol that night. They had partaken of some spirits. Uh-huh. And on their way back from the cabal meetup, they decided to go to a dance club. <laughs> so there's there's this dance club on the way back to the hotel. So they decided to go in there and uh, dance for a little bit. And so they still had the groove and the move. And so they decided to come in and interrupt my sleep. And next thing I know, Jamie's lying in bed with me trying to talk to him. I'm like, dude, it's 2.30 in the morning. Can't a man get some sleep around here? And then about 30 minutes later, they all just passed out somewhere. That's the way it goes. That's how it is. But you should have been up the next morning making sure everybody was awake. Oh, I yeah. did. Because I got up. Jamie was lying in bed. And I went like, Jamie, how's it going, buddy? And he's like, oh, please don't talk so loud. So I, I, I got him back. And by the way, there is a private video of them dancing in this club and coming into the room that shall never see the light of day because tony you could just probably imagine a bunch of old white boys trying to dance it is the funniest looking thing oh and they've had a little bit of alcohol so old white slightly inebriated white boys trying to dance is pretty flipping funny I'm sure it is. And do you have it on your cell phone? <laughs> I do. I do not. I got to see the video, but that sucker is marked as private, so I can't get a copy because it could be for sure used for blackmail later in the future. First off, did you give out moon pies? Gave out all the moon pies. I had uh, 20, 24 double-decker moon pies that were greatly appreciated and 48 mini moon pies. They were all given. We had our ribbons to give away. And thank you so much for all those people that stopped and talked to me. I love talking to people that uh, listen to the show. And, and Tony, the biggest compliment I got over the past couple episodes was our one-star iTunes review. Really? 
people just really got a kick out of that. So they said they just they just really appreciated the humor behind that. And some of them had already heard your uh, package, your package story. That sounds wrong, especially <laughs> after the drunk late night thing. Let me try that again. Uh, your parcel that was sent from St. Louis and how long it took to get here. Some of those had, some of them had listened to that story and they really appreciated that too. So again, thank you to all those that came up and talked to me. I love shaking your hands, giving out moon pies, giving out ribbons, and we're going to have a lot more of that at uh, Gen Con. And as we start getting closer to Gen Con, hopefully Tony and I can share some stuff that we're going to be doing uh, while we're there. But I do have a question for you, Tony. While I was gone, while I was gone this trip, I still was keeping up what's going in our Slack channel. And one of our Slack channels is the Scurry Report. Now, this is a channel we have set up for you, myself, uh, Nate, and Mark from the Scurry Report because we like to plan games that we're going to be playing and stuff. And you, sir, got to the table a game that I was jealous about, and I want to hear all about it. Hey, well, it was an expansion. Okay, still. I got to play the expansion to Lorenzo Magnifico. Oh, yeah. There is one aspect of it that yes. you, sir, will absolutely love. Tell me about it. Special powers of the family. Oh, interesting. So you become a Corleone. Okay, Corleones aren't in it, but they, they anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's a different game. So there are various families and each family has a special power. For instance, Mark's family had the ability that when you had to pay military to claim a tile, yes, you have to be at a certain military, and then when you're there, you reduce by that amount of military. Correct. Yeah, on one of the towers. Correct. His family, aha, we don't have to pay it. Really? Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Oh, yeah. They're all, as you would say, a, a Marty term, they are all choice. <laughs> It's actually a Ferris Bueller term, but yeah, okay. I, I don't remember all of that. I remember a lot of movies, but not that part. It is so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. My family was, every time I collected a set of the four colors, towers, yes. every degree gave me the ability. Like my first degree was I got to choose two additional leaders off the top of the deck. Right. So now I, you know, instead of the four... I now have six. My next ability gave me the ability to play a leader without meeting the requirements. Oh my gosh. And those leader cards are pretty flipping powerful. Yes, they are. Okay. My th if I get a third set of the various cards, I now get 10 victory points like that. Done. Daggum. So I assume that these leaders are pro or the, uh, these uh, family things are probably optional, right? It's one of the optional things you can do in the game. Yes, but they are so necessary for fun wow okay okay but also in there one thing that one other thing i was really looking forward to is make sure i understood it that each of the tower cards now they've added more there's not just eight so now you don't know which ones you're going to see each game is that right and you are absolutely wrong oh yeah setbacks oh look at this look at his face he is just like i did misunderstand that so the original towers still have their cards yes you now add a fifth tower okay and in the fifth tower, it has cards that can be any of the colors in the ages. Okay. Okay. But so, so it's, it's its own separate deck, but still it's the same eight cards and the other towers that are used. Right. So okay. you have, you know, you have your, um, your resource tower, which is the green. Mm -hmm. well, over in the fifth tower, when you turn over that first age or first stage, you will have four cards, but in there, there could be a green, a purple, a blue. So you're looking at a yellow. So all those could come out 
And so in each of those stages, there's all different colors. So that is how they've done that. They haven't added other col uh, color or other cards to the original four. They've added more leaders, of course. So there's different leaders that come into play. They've added a new, I don't want to say resource, but it's a hidden factor where and when you collect it, it may give you extra gold. It may give you resources. It may do something instead of, it's kind of like a random chance. It's good. Mm -hmm. So instead of taking the two money or a wood and a stone, when you go to the area where you claim what area or uh, your starting position, you can take one of those instead. So you don't know what it is, but it could be very good. So is it, I definitely want to try it. Is it one of those things that uh, you'll never play the base game again? You should always include the expansion? Well, the second thing that I know you will absolutely go gaga for. So you got the families laying out there. Yeah. So you then flip over underneath each of the families, depending on the number of players, a tile that you place underneath and it has varying types of rows and each of those rows has the starting resources. Okay. And so the members, you then start placing your pawn or a family member, only one on the resource row to say, I'm going to want that family. Well, somebody can come along and place their member above you and take less resources for that family. Okay. So it's a bidding mechanism as to which family you get. So you could very well say, well, I'm willing to commit this amount of less resources and take that. So you start with less resources, but you are guaranteed that family. That adds a whole new dynamic to the game. So I ask you, will you always play with the expansion? Yeah, I will always play with the expansion. I think it, it adds a lot just from the families, but I do have a quick story. Do we have time for a quick story? Yeah. You sound bored. No, no, no. Are you sure? I just want to talk about. I just want to talk about my other games. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you talk about your other games? And no, no, you go ahead. Give, tell your story now. I don't care. Tell it. Okay. So we're playing the game. I'm trying to build faith in the church. Okay. But it is not an easy prospect. For those who don't know what he's talking about, there's a mechanic in in this game where you have to, I guess, appease the Pope. By having yes. so much faith? Yep. Okay, by having so much faith, and then if you don't, you get excommunicated. And Correct. the way you yep. do it is by, by getting them off of the cards. But anyway, the Pope is not making it easy for me. No, sir. Mm -mm. Faith is hard to come by. I look at the church, and I say, fine. Fine, church. I renounce you. Uh -oh. I renounce you this time. Fine. Tax me. Tax me an additional stone in wood. Do it. As we work our way into the next level, the church comes to me again. I'm looking at it. I, I have enough. I don't have to be excommunicated a second time. But you tax me like you did in the first round, and you hurt me again to the second round. I, I, I turn my head to you. I do not want you. I am fine. Excommunicate me again. I will take the punishment that you throw on me. And it did. It said that it will cost me four additional workers to claim a leader card, a blue card. So already he is taxing me for my stone, for my wood. He is saying it is going to hurt you if you want to take a blue card, sir. We go through the third round. I have so much faith built up now. I can easily satisfy the church. Because if I get excommunicated a third time, I will lose victory points based on the number of resources that are charged per card, sir. 
So every resource that is needed on a card, that's one victory point. So if a card costs me two stone, that would be down two victory points. Ooh, ooh. That's nasty. I said, fine, church, you have won me back. <laughs> you can't handle that one. I can't. I must come to the church for this. I will not be excommunicated again. But even for all that you have done to me, everything you have done to me in this game, sir, I still was able to pull off a victory. Well, look at you. Exactly. So you're still a fan of the game, eh? Oh, yeah. It's still number one. Expansion, A. Eh? Oh, man, yeah. I can't wait to get to the table with you. By the way, did you see any other games at Origin? Well, here's a game that uh, that I know that you would not like. So you know how Nate and Mark like talk about the game Thief yes. from Academy Games? Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't. Just don't. Uh, so I sat and played that with Rodney, Jamie, and Tony Topper. Uh, that was an hour-long rules discussion on how oh, I teach the game. Oh, oh, and this was, this was from a seven-page document that Jamie very well crafted, put together teaching us the rules. Then we spent the next four hours playing the game. And the game is really mostly... Somebody said it's my favorite dudes on a map game. It's not a dudes on a map, Tony. It is literally... The whole game really comes down to diplomacy and just sitting there and talking and voting on different uh, roles that people can have over the course of the game. I'm not going to go into detail because there are a lot to it. Just let me tell you this. A majority of the game is just talking. Like, I need you to vote for me to Pope. You can't vote for him for Pope because you vote for him to Pope. You're going to give him this power. You can't give him this power. Vote for me for King. Well, I can't vote for him for King. Imagine four hours of that. I was sitting there thinking, there is no way Tony would ever play this game. It was rough, dude. Even at the end, I was like, I am about done. Because I was like, <laughs> I was ready for the game to be. And it was an epic game. And I enjoyed my time. But it was really kind of getting long in the tooth. So you had this idea when you ally with other people, you get married. Mm-hmm. So I was married to Jamie. And when, you, when you're married, you can share a victory, okay? Okay. And we were going to win in a certain round. Rodney was king. And of he course. Assass- of, of course. course. Rodney, ass- no, he was pope. I'm sorry. Of course. No, no, it doesn't matter. He was king or pope. He was powerful, one of the two. He had a card to assassinate the person. One of my, you control multiple characters. He assassinated the person my character was married to. That breaks the alliance. That keeps us from winning that round. Say, fine, whatever. I look at Matt. I realize that if Matt, one of Matt's characters, marries Jamie's, they can win next round. So I work out their marriage, Tony. I basically bring them together. I'm a matchmaker saying, please get married so this game can end. <laughs> so they they went, they had wedlock and they won in the next round. Now, it was one of those things that I would play again, but you know, after investing four and a half, five hours, And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, Tony will never, ever. Because Nate and Mark love it. The people here in Charlotte love that game. And our good friend, Chris Gaston, I'm sitting there thinking, ain't no way Tony's playing this. So if you're asked, don't even be tempted. Just don't. I think it would just be fun to watch me. No, no. Dude, I'm serious. There were some times when you can't even be involved in a vote because you don't have the power. There were times when literally for 10 minutes, I sat there and said nothing because I had no power in the discussion that was being made. So I just sat there. You would have been pacing the floor. You would have been on your phone. You would have read a book. I would have. I would have. I would have even charged the Game Boy. So, (laughs) So Thief had a great time. Glad I got to play it. 
But uh, I, I don't think that's one for you. But there is one I think that might be for you, Tony. And this is a game called Crisis. This was on Kickstarter. There were two things about this game that I thought I would like, and I did. One, worker placement game. We like our worker placement games. Two, it's an economic game. Boom, put those two together, and you got a really sweet little game there. That's one game I never played before that Rodney taught us that I really enjoy. It's called Crisis. What's neat, though, is it's an economic game, and you have to work together to build the economy. And if you don't, all of you take penalties, and it can come to the point that if there's enough penalties or the market collapses, the game just ends and nobody wins. So it can have this element where you have to work together to keep the economy up, but mm-hmm. once you do, then you're playing against each other to have the best economy overall. It's a it's an interesting little game. Much better than well, which Ponzi scheme versus Crisis? I mean, I like this better than Ponzi scheme. Okay, I did like this better than Ponzi scheme. Oh, our good buddy uh, Isaac Vega. Yes, Isaac has the new game Star. I saw Isaac a lot. Isaac was always in a huggy mood. I can always do a, an Isaac hug. Starship Samurai got to test that out. Uh, we got to see. I hear about this uh, last year at Gen Con. It'll be coming out uh, uh, this uh, coming Gen Con. Uh, had a great time with it. The interesting mechanic to that is you got four actions that you can do on your turn. This is like fighting samurais in space. One action is draw a card. One action is get resources. One action is move one of the uh, tokens, uh, that you, the influence tokens to get you victory points. And the other is deploy units on the board to fight. Those are your only four actions. Then you have four, t- four tiles, one, two, three, and four. And those tell you how many of each of those actions you can do. So if you need three money, put the three on the three, uh, claim the three money, put the one on move one out. It's a really cool action uh, selection mechanic. Be Keep an eye out for that. Everybody that uh, played it loved it. Did Isaac design it or? He did. Isaac okay. designed it. It's coming out from Plaid Hat Games. And got to try out the new, and you, you like Martin Wallace, right? Mm-hmm. Martin Wallace has a miniatures game. Get that. A miniatures game coming out from Osprey Games, where you got these nice miniatures on a board going around and you can fight each other and you're trying to collect treasure, but it has the very interesting card mechanic mechanism that Martin Wallace is known for. Okay. It's this really cool way of deploy of using cards to take actions and everything. A little too complicated to explain, but it's just one of those really nice Martin Wallace mechanisms that I think you're really going to enjoy. Is this a reprint? It is not. It is a brand new game. Okay. And did you apologize to Christian at Osprey Games for me? Oh, I tried. Uh, he was a little salty. Little salty. He's like, Tony didn't get it. Tony did not get high society, did he? I said, I told you, Christian. He, uh, no. I got high society. I understand Uh the game. I didn't say, oh my gosh, it's not a bad game. I didn't say that. I'm saying this is not a game for my wife. (laughs) And if you can count freaking cards, you can figure this out. So you said you can count cards. You didn't figure it out. I didn't have to figure it out. I was playing with you, knucklehead. Oh my God. But, I mean, I got the premise of the whole game. I mean, playing against you, I would do. But I would never drop that game on my wife because she'll be sitting there thinking, well, you're going to count cards. I could just hear it all night long. Matter of fact, I heard it recently because for Father's Day, I got to play Clank with my daughter who's never played it and my wife who likes it. Oh, in space or regular? Regular, because I put both boxes in front of Rebecca, and I said, pick one. She goes, well, tell me the difference. I said, this one's in space. This one's in a dungeon. She goes, well, I like dragons. Let's go in the dungeon. Did she like it? Rebecca loved it. Donna liked it. Liked it. Rebecca beat me on Father's Day, the little snot. It's a good game, man. That's just a solid 
little deck building game. I still ran into that issue of card calling. I mean, I saw some cards that came up that said you yep. could call in your deck. I still don't like the fact that they don't appear enough. Yep. But I was like, okay, clank. And then somehow I never felt like somebody's trying to rush out of the dungeon. Mm, okay. So I'm I'm questioning whether some of the strategy was missing that I know whenever I'm playing with you or or Mark or or Nate or anyone, there's always that is he he got that he got the small token he's got the small idol what's he going to do is he going to rush out he's going to go get a backpack you know that whole intensity intensity that you have for this game i, I never felt that um in this game i lost by one point but that's okay you know i talked to you about uh, popular booths at uh, origins okay i'm uh, did, did you do anything else last week other than go to origins no okay <laughs> i was at origins all last week did you do anything else besides go to origins no so what was the hot booth Okay, get this. Let me ask you this. Ask me, tell me if this would appeal to you. Walk into a booth. There are stacks of white boxes, big boxes, maybe, I don't know, 12 to 16 inches by 12 to 16 inches square. All right. It's called a board game booster box. For $50, Tony, you can buy a box and hope you get a good game in it. Does that entice you at all? For $50? No. For $50 buying a blind box with an assortment of games in it. No. Well, let me tell you what, Tony. It appealed to a lot of freaking people because every time I went over there, there was a line of people willing to drop $50 on a box and they have no clue what was in it. It's kind of like starting up this show. You have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> you, you won't really know until you get into it. And then yeah. after you've invested 45 minutes, you went, crap. God, what a waste of 45 minutes. Crap. No, here's the thing. I talked to a couple people that bought these and I said, was it worth it? And they went, no. And they were telling me the games were in it. I never heard of the most of the games. It was garbage. They said they looked up uh, the, some of the games. The one, uh, one of the games that said the most expensive one they could find was like $20, but it was one I never heard of. I'm sorry. If I got $50 burning a hole in my pocket, I'm going to spend it on a game that I know that I'm going to want and want to play. And if these don't even have any good resale value, I don't know. I just didn't get it. But it was a popular booth. I, I'm not going to gamble like that. I tell you what, that's kind of like me going over to a grabber game and just trying to grab something and hope it happens. I might, I'd spend $50 on that trying to get a um, Beanie Baby Squirrel out of it or something. Oh, 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 one of the grabber games. Oh, did you know those are rigged? For what? To lose. I'm sure they are. Everything is, everything, I mean, the fair is rigged so that you lose. There's a great YouTube video that talks about these games, specifically the grabber game. The grabber is designed to only firmly grasp something like every 10th or 15th use of the game. Okay. Otherwise, the claws barely hold on to it, and they purposely don't pinch very hard so that stuff falls out of it. Yeah, all those games are rigged. I can understand the appeal to it of the unknowing, of the raffle. I mean, people buy raffle tickets and Powerballs and that kind of stuff because of the gambling aspect of it. So I can understand how buying a white box with the chance at a game, and if they had a demo of a game or a box with a great game and it's sitting there that you could win this now i've outgrown you on that yes <laughs> yeah so i i thought i had to did you you did speaking of booster things so <sighs> a couple months ago you and mark sent me a link to an article and said oh look a new ccg is coming out called age of sigmar champions 
Marty's going to try to play this game. I said, nope, I'm done with CCGs. You're done right. with them. No You're more. Right. There's a game that's coming out from uh, Play Fusion. It's based on a, another game called Light Seekers, which has been out about a year. Rodney and I wanted to check it out because it's Age of Sigmar theme, which is Games Workshop. So we got to sit down and play a game. And the game was pretty cute. I won't go into really detail what it is. It kind of reminds me, uh, it has cards that rotate, much like City of Heroes. Remember that CCG we used to mm-hmm. play where rotating cards give you things? It has that kind of element to it. And I said, I was talking to the Fusion guys. I said, this is a CCG, right? He went, yeah. I said, why? Why couldn't it be an LCG? And the guy said, well, to be honest with you, Games Workshop said, we really want this to be a CCG. They didn't want it to be, but it is. And I said, well... Again, I, I just don't see the value in this. And he said, oh, here's another cute thing. You can take the cards and scan them into an app on your phone. I said, okay. I mean, Light Seekers can do that too. It has like augmented reality. You scan the card and the little monster shows up in an app. And there's a little video game that you can play on your phone. And Finn was telling me it was like kind of like Diablo. I said, that's cute. Still not interested. I said, well, just Sigmar is going to be a little bit different. Because what you're doing is you're scanning in the card, and then you can build a deck and play the actual card game online. Now, at this point, both Rodney and I looked at each other and both had this sinking feeling of like, crap. Star Wars Destiny, here it comes. That's not good, because with Star Wars Destiny, we would we would play with our friends online. We'd play with Rob and uh, uh, Rich and Rodney and Jamie. We had a whole big crew plan right everybody had to set up their cameras and play and all this i even played uh ashes with rodney setting up cameras and now the realization there's this game to where you have to have the physical card scan it into the app and now it's part of the app and you can build a deck and actually play online (sighs) the good thing is tony i'm not going to be pushing this on you or any of my friends here and i know if any of my friends listen to the show right now like mark and stuff it's like holy crap he's going to try to get me to buy a stupid game i'm not because if I monkey with it, the nice thing is if I can just play with anybody like you and uh, play Ascension with Rob and the guys and stuff, right? I said I wasn't going to get the bug. I still may not, but I'm at least wanting to get a starter deck. I'm going to take you back to a time. Yes. When there was this game. Oh, boy. Lord of the Rings TCG. They came out with an app. Yep. That made it so much better. Yes, it did. And we spent good money on that. Yeah. And the only reason why... We didn't get to play it very often was we both had to be online at the same time. And that was right. difficult. If this game has asymmetric play. Asynchronous. Asynchronous. Not asymmetric. Asynchronous. If it has an A word associated with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you won't have to push me very far because of some other A word that I will not mention. And then their failure to steal get the bugs worked out of it, I might have to migrate over. Just saying. So I asked that question specifically, Tony, will this app be asynchronous? They did not have an answer yet. Well, that was, both Rodney, that was, that was both, weak of them. That was weak. Yes. Well, I'm just, well, I'm just saying it's, it's not coming out for another couple months. It's not coming out till Gen Con. That's the release date. But both Rodney and I thought the exact same thing. I don't want to have to be on the line at the same time to play. That's a deterrent. But if it is one of those, like Ascension, where you can just take your turn and then leave and come back and take your turn when you turn again, what's interesting is each of these cards are unique. Everyone is 100% unique. So a this card that I scan into my game can't be scanned into yours. Okay. 
So you can't share cards. Now you can deactivate. You can scan it again and remove it from your online collection. And then I can like sell it or give it to you. And then you can incorporate it into yours. All right. So there's special codes. There's a unique code on every single card that comes out. So I'm just saying that uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that does. The game actually was kind of fun. I actually played a, a demo game of Lightseekers, and I liked Age of Sigmar way better. I thought that it was much more strategic. Lightseekers was very Pokemonish to me, very simple, very easy to play. This other one took a little bit more strategy. So is it crush your opponents? Is it crush your opponents? Well, every game you try to crush your well, opponents. Well, no. Ascension uh, is different. Oh, I see what you're saying. Now, it, it is a life thing where you have to deal so much. Uh, it's magicish in that aspect where you have so much life and you try to deal enough life to take them out. Enough damage to take them out. That In that way, it, it is the same. But it does have tactical elements to it to where uh, you have four columns and spatially wherever you put things uh, matters. So maybe this guy that's in front of this other guy can only attack it and not the guy to the side. So it, where you place on the mat is important, which is different than like, say, magic or something like that. Oh, really? Okay. So is that going back to our war cry days? Was war cry like that? We had to be directly in front of somebody else. If so, then yes, it's exactly like that. Well, you had the battle lines. Yeah, you did. But then that one, you had like reinforcements behind. There mm-hmm. wasn't a reinforcement behind, but you could only attack maybe the guy in front or maybe the guy to the right. It actually had on the card who you can hit. Anyway... That's coming out later. Uh, interested in that. And in fact, that kind of ties into the next thing, Tony. So well, Hold on, hold on, hold on. We've been going for a while. And I think I know where you're going here. And before you do, why don't we take a short break so that I can collect myself and be ready to talk about this very, very disturbing announcement. <laughs> I'm going to guess, Marty, that the Broken Token was at Origin. They were. Our good friend Greg was there, uh, had a nice booth set up, selling tons of inserts and those beautiful custom dice towers. I was going to ask you, did you drop some dice down the dice towers? I did, and they, I got to get some. I just got to get some for the for the basement. But yes, they were there selling, and they're selling really well. Did they have their newest organizer, Mysterious, out? They sure did, Tony. That is a nice little product. If you have Mysterium... And uh, this is a, a nice insert for organizing and setting up that game. They obviously have incredible products and they were selling out of stuff. And that's that's what's so great uh, about the Broken Token, Tony. Even though there wasn't a lot of new games coming out at the show, with the Broken Token, you can always use a good insert. And he said still one of his top sellers during the show was the Terraforming Mars, even though that game is over a year old. And I'm sitting here on their site and I'm looking at it and I see, I've complained recently about how my Marvel Legendary fell out and all the cards got mixed up they've also come out with the legendary small box so mm. that it fits into either the dark cities or secret war boxes for those expansions i'm like ooh, i don't have that many expansions for legendary and actually i only have the base and two that so that would work for me as well as i've still got splendor with city sitting there that i could probably combine into one box there's so many products if you got a game that you think needs better organizing then go to thebrokentoken.com well tony every once in a while we get some really bad news in the gaming community, and just a couple of weeks ago, it was announced that FFG Fantasy Flight Games is discontinuing Android Netrunner, the card game. Oh, 
game that started it off. Well, like they started off for it. See, I, I wasn't going to cry. I wasn't going to. Someone get me a tissue. I'm getting for clipped. Oh my god, just kidding. For those, I'm sorry. Let me let me. Does that does that mean we end too? Because I'm sure people are thinking, oh, thank God, maybe they'll end too. We started the same year as Netrunner, Tony. We outlasted Netrunner. And people are thinking, why? Why did Netrunner have to end and not them? It's unfair. Netrunner should continue. It's so much better. For those who may be newer to the show, uh, early on, Tony and I were heavy heavy into Netrunner. In fact, we had this thing going on within our show that once per episode, we had to mention Netrunner. And Tony, we probably went for, good gosh, 15, 20 episodes, continually mentioning Netrunner once uh, each time because we were just so into it. This was the game that brought us right back heavy into a competitive card game. And it was because... It reminded us so much of Lord of the Rings, which we love because it was, and this is where you use the word, asymmetric, mm-hmm. where hey, each side okay. plays totally different. And that's what this game did for us. And plus, it was just so deep. The strategies, deck building, scorch earthing people, how to defend against that while still making runs against corporations. Oh, just the various entities that you could be. And it, it challenged us to try to come out with a better meta than the next person we were into tournaments the tournament the time mm-hmm. tournaments were not long they were quick to play we had a blast doing them incredible prize support it was all there and it has to end like all good things they have to end six years but here's the thing and here's the weird part what is the thing reading their announcement i'm not so sure that ffg was ready for this thing to end so here's the deal Wizards of the Coast actually owns the uh, license to Netrunner. It was created by the person who designed uh, Magic, uh, Richard Garfield. Mm -hmm. And they licensed the product Netrunner over to FFG. So when time came to renew the license, something happened and it's not being renewed. And Wizards of the Coast is taking Netrunner IP back under its wing. Now, there is a lot of scuttlebutt, and nobody knows exactly what is, what is going on, but I, I just want to uh, quote something from the head of studio, Andrew Navarro. And this was, uh, Navarro, sorry, this was posted on the FFG site, and it says, and I quote, I'm sure this news comes as an unwelcome surprise to many of you, given that we recently released the revised core set, and that rotation is finally going to effect, it seems like the timing couldn't be worse to announce the end of the game line. With the success Android has enjoyed over the past six years, I don't think there would ever be a good time to end it in the eyes of many fans and in the eyes of us here at the studio, but the license agreement has reached its conclusion, and so the product line must do the same. Now, Tony, I'm just trying to read between the lines there, but that sounds like this wasn't an FFG decision. No, I agree with you there. It's just something that they had to do. I mean, I know they were starting, they even announced that whole period of where they would start phasing out cards over time. And they had that whole period set up that those cards would be sunset for lack of better term. It would just be gone. You couldn't use those. They weren't legal in tournaments, whatever, to help the game continue its growth, to maintain its competitiveness. So yeah, I agree with you on that. And the fact they just did 
released the revised core late last year. It's almost like that was almost like a reboot of the game. So this seems really odd. And then if you look a little bit closer into it, somebody had uh, mentioned on one of the Reddit forums, and I, for, I forgot this, that Louis Litzinger, who is the designer of Netrunner, now works for Wizards of the Coast. That is very interesting that he is back over there. Well, not back over there. He he left to go to Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. I mean, he started out at FFG. Now he's here. It's just really interesting. The guy that helped design Netrunner is working for the company that owns the license, and they just canceled the license, making many people think, hmm, are they going to come out with a Netrunner product from Wizards of the Coast? But you know what I'm thinking? What? The revised core should go on sale. Actually, from what I've been hearing... It's hard to find Netrunner product. Well, I was going to get us Terminal Directive. Well, you better hurry up. Yeah, so that we can play that. I still have my core and you have your core, but I was thinking, hey, maybe the core, the revised core is on sale and we could use that instead. Maybe so. But I'm just saying it's all kind of weird. Some people have been speculating maybe they're going to come out with a digital version of the game. There's been speculation. E3 just finished where uh, CD Projekt Red announced their new video game called Cyberpunk 2077. And they're wondering if Cyberpunk's going to be a big thing as Wizards of the Coast want to have a Cyberpunk product like a hearthstone type product it's just it's just odd it just seems to me ffg didn't want to do this and now they're having to do it and in the end it's sad that a game that we loved so much granted we haven't played in years but i have a lot of great memories with that game and it is sad to see it go yeah i mean you and i all we'd have to do is break out some courses and we would throw it together and we could play this anytime sure and that's the beauty of this right it's not like we can never play again and we weren't playing in tournaments anyway, so we aren't losing anything. But again, it's just the end of an era. And when that happens, it's like when a long-running show that I've been watching ends. You just get a little sad when it's over. We lost our willingness to go do that LCG. And it was getting to the point, for for at least for me anyway, that there were just so many cards and metas and stuff like that that I was just like, okay. I can't keep track anymore. And I was afraid that would happen. Where on the other hand, Lord of the Rings with its single player, the same thing with Arkham, it doesn't really matter. You know, I can play right. that as a single where Netrunner, I have to find, once again, we have to find time to sit down and play. It's a good point. So rest in peace, Netrunner. You have, I still got all my cards. I will never part with them because I'm just a sentimental guy like that. You gave us many, many hours of, of great fun. And I guess we'll see that if anything comes of that license from Wizards of the Coast. I'm just in mourning over here. I, I, I just don't have anything else to say. Ever since I got into board gaming, I've always wanted to explore other genres of games, such as role-playing games, which Tony and I are still trying to play that Lord of the Rings RPG, we'll get there eventually, and miniature games, which I've been playing over the years, and as such, on this show, sometimes I like to expose the audience to other types of games besides just board games in case you have the same interest that I do, which is why I was excited to get a early copy of the Age of Sigmar 2nd Edition from Games Workshop. In joining me in talking on this topic, I'm going to have my son Travis, who I think does more role-playing games and miniature games more than any other person I know locally. So I consider him the resident, literal resident expert because he still lives in the house. Travis, 
Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, no problem. It's always a pleasure. Travis has joined me before when we've talked about uh, role-playing games and everything, but I can't remember. Have you ever come on about talked about miniature games? Never miniature games, only role-playing games. I know 7C comes to mind. Travis, you've been playing miniature games, gosh, I don't know, probably I guess as long as I have, six, seven years since we first started with like War Machine, I think was the yeah. earliest. Yeah, War Machine was the earliest for us. But you actually wanted to delve into 40K, and I remember you and your brother Adam got into the, was it the 7th edition or 6th edition of 40K? It was further back than that. Oh, wow. Because I was in, I think, 3rd grade. I think it was 5th. 5th edition. I I think it was actually 5th. 5th edition. And and just just so you'll know, Travis just graduated from uh, high school, so he is 18. So he's been been playing for quite a while. But ever since Games Workshop has kind of come back with a vengeance with some new versions of games, we've really been into their products. For example, 40K 8th edition. We got the uh, starter box for that, and we've played it some. You and Adam uh, actually got some uh, uh, units and factions for playing the first edition of Age of Sigmar. Why in the world would they release a second edition when the first edition is, what, like only three years old? Were there a lot of changes? In terms of changes, it's mostly to make the game more in line with what 8th edition is right now. Even if 8th edition was supposed to be in line with Age of Sigmar, it was still a deviation. And so this is to sort of uh, bring Age of Sigmar up to date with Warhammer 40k. And the difference is being the rules have been expanded, which might not sound like, you know, a good thing at first, but I feel like what they did by expanding on some topics is easier to understand. There's not as much, well, I'm not sure what that means. Not as not as many loose ends is what I'm trying to say. So they, there was a, I think they took care of a lot of clarifications and questions that maybe people had with first edition. A lot of people may consider first edition of Age of Sigmar kind of loosey-goosey. It's like, well, what should we do here? Just house roll it and we'll do it. And I think they've explained some more of those inside of this edition. They have. Like at the beginning of Age of Sigmar 1, there weren't even really points for fielding armies, it was just kind of, let's let's put some dudes out here and roll some dice real quick. And so with Age of Sigmar 2, I think they've realized what their audience is and what they want and that they're catering towards them. Like, even though Age of Sigmar still doesn't have a very high barrier of entry, it is now much more, if you want it to be much more competitive and much more open in terms of matchmaking, so to speak, with all sorts of uh, new spells and rules for different realms, which is where people live in Age of Sigmar, and all sorts of different items for uh, really powerful hero characters to use, and just more in general in terms of what to do, even though it does still have the structure of points and objectives like 40k does now. So let's go ahead and jump into this second edition. Now, this second edition box is called Soul Wars, and this comes really with everything that you need right out of the box to get to the table and start playing this game. And there's two factions in this. One is Stormcast, and the other is Night Haunts. Now, here's the thing. I never played the first edition Age of Sigmar. Now, Travis, you played, I believe it was Slaves of Darkness. Slaves to Darkness. Slaves of Darkness. Slaves to Darkness. And Adam was into the Beast Claw Raiders, right? Beast Claw Raiders, yep. Night Haunts were always those I was very interested in. And when they uh, did Malign Portents, which was this uh, release a few months ago, they started releasing more death stuff. I got interested, but then when I heard the second edition was going to be coming out and Nighthawks are going to be part of that, I just said, I'll wait for that. So now I've got the faction that I want to play. And in this box, you have 50-something models, I believe. Yeah, I 
think it's 56. I can count them up in my head real quick, I think. <laughs> wow. And he sit there and can because he knows how many models are for each unit. This box is just absolutely amazing. It retails for 160 bucks, which is a lot, but you do get a lot of models inside of this, enough for each army to kind of field a decent army. You get a gorgeous, I mean absolute gorgeous core rule book. It's hard-backed, and this was in the 40k 8th edition. Uh, uh, where they had the hardback book. And in the first edition of Age of Sigmar, they didn't have that. You had some core rules and you could download rules online. But this core rule book is gorgeous because it has tons of fluff. It has all the rules that you need. It tells you how to set up battle plans, which is how to set up like different scenarios on the on the table. So the purchase of the core box alone, getting you this this book is just, is just a big plus. Uh, definitely. With Age of Sigmar 1, the lore was kind of sparse in terms of where to find it. It was all scattered out through different battle tomes, which are the Age of Sigmar equivalent of a codex. And so having all, like the history of the world after uh, the first Warhammer, Warhammer fantasy battle is very, very nice seeing like how Sigmar and everyone else rebuilt it and seeing sort of like the timeline leading up to the events of right now with the Soul Wars and just different background on all the realms, different backgrounds on the factions, all in just one place is invaluable. Yeah, now it's one thing that Age of Sigmar, and Travis can go into a lot of depth on this, about the fact of realms. There are different now realms in this universe, and you can travel from one realm to another through, is it realm gates? Yeah, it's like realm gates, which are just big portals that you can just kind of go through, and there's like areas in between each realms. It's pretty sweet. But it's what, pretty cool. But what's really cool about that is they've actually incorporated realms into the rules because... At the beginning of a game, you can decide what realm that you're going to play in, and each realm has certain abilities, like maybe special magic spells that would be available in one realm and not another. Yeah, so just a little bit of background on that. In Warhammer Fantasy Battle, there were the Winds of Magic, and they all had different names. There was like Haish, Ogu, Shaiish, you know. Actually, I don't know, but go ahead. Well, anyways, <laughs> for, for each of these Winds of Magic, there was a lore associated with it, and each of these lores had different spells. And Now, even though there were lores outside of the eight normal Winds of Magic, these were like the main ones that every or most factions could use. Now, in Age of Sigmar, these Winds of Magic have become the realms. Each of the spells from these realms are much like their counterparts from Warhammer Fantasy Battle. And I think it's pretty, pretty interesting seeing how they kind of fleshed out one of the more important parts of the lore of Fantasy Battle with now entire realms being formed after these wins and adding different artifacts that your heroes can use and different spells for your wizards to use and even uh different events happening on the table as you play for each of the realms adds another layer of depth and just interest to the game if you feel like that's a bit too uh kind of fantastic for your taste it's like definitely optional i'd prefer to play with those things having like uh, i know on the i think it's the realm of beasts like different wandering monsters can just walk out and they're like neutral i think that's really cool and thematic i guess it is just whether you want it to be more thematic or more competitive but i think that the realms and the different artifacts and spells and their variety could add to the competitiveness of the game while keeping it very thematic and fluffy and that's what they've done so well with this book is is really presented the lore in a very uh, story-like manner they go through each of the factions they go through each of the realms but let's go ahead and jump in, into and the game and the rest of the components themselves now the things about the models travis these models are absolutely gorgeous and i know that people are going to be thinking oh great models that means i've got to start cutting off sprues and filing and gluing and painting 
they've made the barrier to entry of this game a little bit lower by having these as push to fit models. And Travis, this box actually came when I was at Origins and you put most of these models together. And did you have any issues putting them together with, with them being pushed to fit? On the Night Haunt side, those were incredibly easy to put together. You could see where each uh, piece went together. There wasn't like guessing like, is this right? There wasn't much fiddling. It was pretty clear cut where things went. The only kind of problems I had were Stormcasts where you'd have to kind of balance their head and their arms between the back portion and the front portion of their armor but even that wasn't wasn't too bad you just had to just kind of balance and then fit it in i've never like really had major trouble it was definitely much easier than say not knowing whether your arm is upside down or not and you glue it on the wrong way and it's just i think a great way for people who've never played to put these together and it's not like you got to guess. They do give you an instruction booklet. They do. They All- do give you a very nice detailed instruction booklet that has the instructions for putting together every single model and even a uh, sort of painting guide for each of the factions at the end. And they tell you by you know, like this is these parts are on these sprues and they're numbered and it shows you very easily how to put together. And if you've played Shadespire, which we're big fans of, it's pretty much the exact same thing. Shadespire models are also pushed to fit. But even though these are pushed to fit, it doesn't mean they skimped on detail because these models are gorgeous these are some pretty incredible looking models even in shadespire they did not skimp on the detail on these on these models especially the two mounted hero units for each of the factions in the box are just incredible looking even though they're pushed to fit their pose is extremely dynamic they don't look static they actually look like they're getting ready to go into a fight like they're leading their army they are wonderful looking and speaking of shadespire Shadespire takes place in the Age of Sigmar universe, and they actually have some war scrolls and everything for the existing Shadespire models. So if you play Shadespire, you already have models that can actually be used in this game. That is true. And with the way Age of Sigmar works, they don't technically have to be with the same faction. Like even though Night Haunts are their faction, the Night Haunts, they still fall under the Grand Alliance of Death, meaning that they can, as allies, take any faction from the Grand Alliance Death. Night Haunts do not have a Shadespire faction right now, but there are the skeletons that were released for Shadespire that can be used as allies for the Night Haunts, if you do have those and want to use them in your army. And you talked about the Grand Alliance. There's there's basically four alliances. There's Death, Chaos, Destruction, and Order. And Stormcast falls under order, and obviously Nighthawks falls uh, falls under death. Uh, you are a big fan of Slave to Darkness. You're you're a chaos, I believe. I do like chaos. You're, I'm you're a just big a fan, fan of, of chaos. chaos. Yeah. yeah. Whereas uh, Adam is a big fan of destruction. Yeah. He's a big fan of Beast Claw Raiders. Oh, sir. Hit or miss. Okay. And and my youngest son is into the Stormcast, so he's the Order. And I've got the Death. So we've got all of them covered. All the bases covered. So let's talk about just the the game itself and and how it's played. Because, like I said, it comes with everything that you need. You are going to need some rulers. They come with rulers. You're going to need some dice. It comes with some dice. And I must say, the dice are very nice. They're not just like the usual white with black pips. These are nice blue acrylic dice they are very thematic with the whole soul theme and look very nice so when it comes to actually playing the game obviously you you got your two factions and then you're going to set them up and the book gives you some ideas of how to set up the battlefield right there's these uh there's these scenarios that you can do where you're trying to capture objectives and they tell you you must deploy your units here or there etc but when you get into the game much like many board games the game is just played over a series of phases it's just some phases like most games will probably have two or three phases now 
Idris Sigmar does have six phases, but they're not like entirely crunchy. Like it starts out with the hero's phase, which is where you use. Uh, and just, 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 just for clarification, what do you mean by the term crunchy? Crunchy means there's a lot of numbers going on. There's a lot of like thinking and calculating going on, such as rolling a million dice. And then you have to bust out the charts and the graphing calculator. <laughs> Cause some people think crunchy meanings. We like granola. Granola that, that's a is different crunchy. Both crunchies are nice. I must say. <laughs> okay. So, the first phase that you'll have is called the hero phase, which is where you use some abilities that say doing your hero phase, but most importantly, it's when you cast your spells. In Age of Sigmar 1, spells are important, but even more so in Age of Sigmar 2, where they're even going to have a new expansion dedicated to spells, and it's just definitely one of the more uh, game-changing and important aspects of the game. Well, it feels for man more fantastical with magic. It does. It does feel more fantastic. Like, magic, that is like the one of the defining aspects of fantasy. And even though there is magic in 40K, the way they describe it with them being psychic, it does it doesn't feel as fantastic as them clearly being stated here as wizards. In the second phase, we have the movement phase, which is pretty standard. You look at the uh, the war scroll for a unit, which has all the stats on it. I and mean, that's one of the things I really like about this game. Age of Sigmar has war scrolls, which are these cards, which has all the data. It's one of the things I really loved about War Machine. Every model had its own card. Well, it's the same way with Age of Sigmar. They didn't have that in 40K, right, Travis? They, they had your books, your codexes with all your stats and everything, but there were so, mu- so many options and modifications that could be made with each unit in 40K that you had just basically had to look up a reference table and it couldn't be all put on a card in 40k i can understand why they didn't have the cards because there's just a lot of information like when i play 40k i play as death guard and with the plague marines they have all sorts of different weapons plasma guns blight launchers axes fists pistols they have grenades they just got so much that probably take up like eight or nine rows and when it comes to plasma weapons they got two stats for that the regular and the overcharge it it's honestly just too much to fit on the card and so it's age of sigmar the fact that you do have the cards and you can just easily flip through these or even spread them out on your table it's much easier to work with than constantly flipping back and forth between a codec and you mentioned unit just for reference a unit maybe one model it could be a single model it could but be unit could also be a group of models yeah. such as in the Age of Sigmar box, there is for the Nighthaunts called the Chainrass Board, which is a unit of 20 different models. Mm-hmm. And they also, but their leader is the uh, Knight of Shrouds on Ethereal Steed, which is a unit, but it's only one model. And each of those units have one war scroll. So yes. those 20 models are have all the information just on one scroll. Yes. And it includes one of the things like movement, which is how far you can move in inches. Yeah, how far you can move in inches. And then also you can say if it's going to run, which is you roll a D6 and add that to their movement. Or you can say they retreat where they move three inches directly away. Now, after that is the shooting phase, which is very important in 40K and it's still important here. It's where you use all your ranged weapons. Uh, so all your missile weapons, such as like crossbows, bows and arrows, throwing weapons, everything will be right here. Any weapon that has a really long distance that it can travel, this is where it is. Next, we come into very important phases. The first one being the charge phase. In your movement phase, you're not allowed to move within three inches of an enemy model. What you can do though is charge. Basically, if you're within 12 inches of an enemy model, you can declare a charge against them in which you will roll two dice and move that many inches towards them. Uh, If you end up within half an inch of the enemy model, the charge succeeds and you can move that full distance. But if it fails, like you do not get within half an inch, the charge doesn't work. And then after this, we have the actual combat phase, which is when you do all melee attacks. Which is probably the longest phase of all these. That's when you start chucking dice. This is when you start throwing dice around. Melee is much larger in Age of Sigmar than it is in 40k. Like a 40k, most of the factions, you know, Necrons, Tau... 
uh, space marines, chaos space marines, a, a lot of them focus on the use of guns and that's sci-fi. They just, they shoot. That's what they do. Uh, since this is fantasy, most people use swords, axes, hammers, and the majority of your models, uh, most of the time, are going to be melee units. And that's definitely true in the Age of Sigmar starter box, where the uh, Night Haunts don't even have a ranged unit, and the uh, Stormcasts have two. Yeah, this is where most of the combat goes down, and I'll just quickly go over how combat works. The rules for it are the exact same for shooting and in melee. On your war scroll, there is just a number, the two hit number, which is usually like four plus or three plus, and you roll however many attacks you have. It's also listed on your war scroll for each attack. Now, when it has the attack stat, that is per model in the unit. So if you have, you know, the 20 chain rasps, hordes that I talked about earlier, uh, each of them have two attacks. If they're all within range, that's 40 attacks. So you're chunking 40 dice. You're chunking 40 that's dice. That's a lot that's, of dice, Travis. That's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. But most of the time, <laughs> it's not going to be that. <laughs> that's true. If you have, your two hit is four plus, you're going to roll all those dice and you're going to take out all the ones that are four pluses. Those are all the, your successes. And then you take those that succeeded and then you roll two wound, which is exactly like two hit. It'll give you a number you just have to pass. It might be four plus again. Roll again. Take out all the successes. And let's say I get six successes. Those six successes are called the wounds right now. The opponent has to make a save roll for each of the wounds that they've taken. Your save is also on the unit's war scroll. And it's also just a five plus, four plus, three plus number. And you roll D6. And if you get uh, higher than your save score, you know, three plus, four plus, then those succeed. And you only take the wounds that you failed. So you cancel out basically wound dice that were assigned to you, whatever's left over, that's how much damage you'll take. Yep. Now, some weapons do more damage than others. Like some of them are listed as two damage. So that means one wound, even though it's only one wound, it'll still be dealing two damage. Mm -hmm. Now, your safe score could be modified by the uh, rend score of the weapon attacking. Basically, if a, if a weapon has a rend of minus two, you're gonna s the opponent will subtract two from their save score. So even if your save is three plus, if you roll a three, you take the two away from the rend, and it's only one, and it does not succeed. So you really got to roll a five to, in, order, really in order, order to, five. To, in order to make it. Now, here's the thing. I know that may sound very confusing, but I've played several games with this, Travis, with you, and it's actually really darn straightforward. Once you understand it, it's roll, give, grab dice, roll, grab dice, you make a saving throw, assign wounds, move on. It moves really quick. It's explaining it may take a while, but the actual process, literally, when you and I do a melee attack, we can probably resolve it in 15, 20 seconds. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, especially if it's like, you know, really short. Like if it's just a one model unit, you just roll two dice, take one away, roll the other one. It failed, you're done. It's definitely not as daunting as I made it sound like. Right. And then the final phase is Battleshock. Battleshock is probably tied with Hero Phase for the fastest. When your unit loses models, you need to roll Battleshock, which is making sure your units are brave enough and they don't run away. And on their worst scroll, each unit has a bravery score. Let's just have a uh, theoretical unit has a saves bravery score of seven. And let's say that it lost three models that turn. The unit has to make a battle shock test because it lost units. And what it's going to do is it's going to roll a D6 and it's going to add the amount of models that they lost. So in this case, since they lost three, they're going to add three to their roll. So let's say they rolled a five plus three. That's an eight. If the value of the roll exceeds your bravery, you take away the difference. Uh, I take that eight that I rolled and I compare it to the seven. Since eight is one higher, I'm going to take one model away from that unit. Now, here's the thing. Even though it's only seven phases, those seven phases can Six. be 
six, sorry. Eighth edition, second edition, six phases. There's a lot of numbers being thrown around. There's a lot of numbers being thrown around. During the game, there's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of numbers on the war school. But honestly, it it flies by quickly. Melee combat's resolved really quick. It really comes down to it's a very tactical game because each of these war scrolls and all these units have all these special abilities. And that's where the core of the game is. The, the, The main rules are simple. Those rules are broken by text on the war scrolls. If this unit is within so many inches of this unit, it gives them uh, a boost to maybe their attack or their rolls. It lets them re-roll, and that's the whole part of the game. That's where the list building comes in, where you say, I want this guy to make it yeah, better, uh, give me a better chance to, to re-roll my fails when I get a one, and if they're within so many inches, that can happen. That is really where the crux of the game is. The rules themselves are simple. It's just understanding the war scrolls. And to me, Travis, that was more intimidating because there's a lot of text on those scrolls. And each one of those units can do a lot of different things. Honestly, that is probably the most intimidating part is not remembering the core rules, which can be pretty easily memorized. It's memorizing all the little special abilities and all their criteria and everything that they do. And it is actually kind of daunting, especially if you're playing a more technical faction. But uh, even then, there are a lot of factions that don't have too terribly many special abilities, and they're pretty fun to play too. But list building and like coming up with an army and just figuring out what that unit's place is in the army, that is sort of the backbone of Warhammer. Like actually getting in and rolling dice is good and fun, but you need to have an army to like back up those dice rolls and, you know, make sure your probability is in your favor. So before the game, you're actually building a strategy. You, you build an army that's around a certain strategy. Once you get into the game, you're applying that strategy through tactics. I will say they're going through the core rules. Uh, what's nice is that they do give you a nice little thin core rule booklet. It's about 18 pages long, tells you everything you need to know to play the game. So you don't have to reference this huge hardback book just to get into the game. There's another book that also gives uh, some fluff or some uh, lore, some points. Yeah, some some backstory on all the units and why these two factions are fighting. And so with that, that's why I'm saying this core set gives you everything to play out of the box. And honestly, Travis, if somebody just wanted to maybe go with a friend and get this game and each of you drop 80 bucks a piece, you've got many, many hours of playing with this set without ever purchasing another model. The thing is, even though you're playing with the same models, the core rulebook, I think, comes with six different battle plans which are the game modes that you play and each of them very very differently uh such as there's one where it's four objectives set up and you just have to make sure there's a unit within it to score it but there's another one where there's only three and you have to make sure a specified hero unit are controlling them so it really changes up the gameplay honestly you can get if you wanted all of the enjoyment just from the Soul Wars box, you don't need to expand out of that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the deterrents a lot of people think. It's like, great, I'm going to get into this, and then I got to spend a lot of money to buy a lot more models. I think Games Workshop did a fantastic job of creating this out-of-box experience to where you feel that you don't have to do that. One last question for you, Travis, is this. Just like uh, Age of Sigmar, 40K has an out-of-experience box too. Their core set's called the Dark Imperium. So if people are wondering, well, which one would I like better? Is one harder than the other? Do you have any tips for them on that? I will say 40K is slightly harder than Age of Sigmar. 
uh, with 40k, wounding somebody is different. In Age of Sigmar, it was just a straight number on your sheet, like 3+. plus. In 40k, each weapon has a strength and each unit has a toughness. And you have to compare the two and then look at a chart to see what it is. That can be slightly more cumbersome. It is more cumbersome because it, yeah, it every is, time I, every time we played cumbersome. that, I sit there going, "Now oh, wait a minute! If he's got that number, and I've got that number, and you and you eventually you memorize that table, but it's an extra step that you got to think about as opposed to literally roll, roll, you roll, done." Yeah, in Age of Sigmar, it, it's definitely uh, more streamlined in Age of Sigmar. And in addition, 40k also has the so many different varieties of loadouts for different units, like going back to the Plague Marines. There are so many rules for outfitting them, like two of them can take a special weapon and then another two can take melee weapons. And if they have certain variations of their melee weapons, they get another attack. And then you got to keep track of which units have like a bonus attack and which ones can still shoot, even though they ran in the past movement phase. It is easier to get into Age of Sigmar. 40k is uh, more difficult to get into. But if you just prefer sci-fi, then that's pretty much your only option. You're, yeah. you're going to be doing 40k. Yeah, if you're coming in from no miniature game experience and you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to do fantasy, like I really want to do sci-fi, then go with 40k. Even though 40k is more difficult, it's not like leaps and bounds more difficult. It's not like going from a one math class to a math class that's like eight years ahead. It's <laughs> it's it's nothing like that. And just moving beyond that, just to kind of wrap this whole thing up, let's say you do want to try this box out and you want to move beyond that. Well, then obviously the whole world opens up to you. There's tons of other factions. There's tons of other models. And I think, Travis, really all you need if you want to get into the other models and stuff is buy a general's handbook, which has the points for other models and other factions. Yeah, if you're looking to go to stores and... Ooh, maybe even go to tournaments, you will definitely need the General's Handbook. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it is releasing alongside the Soul Wars box. It is, and it's like $35. It's, it's not it's, too it's expensive. It's $35. It's really important. It comes with all sorts of new rules for uh, matched play, which is their term for the kind of serious play where you make the list with the points. It is necessary if you're looking to get a little bit more serious, but if you're just looking to have fun with some friends, then just like putting some models down, you don't really need it. Outside of that, if you don't want to, if you're not a big fan of any of the factions that come in the uh, Soul Wars box, they do release start collecting boxes for $85. And most of them are actually a really good value. Some of them are, uh, games are played in, like I said, points and each unit costs a certain amount of points. Games are played in like 1,000, 1,500, and 2,000 points. And a starter box can actually be around 700 points. They're really close to being like an 1,000 point army. Even then, just like Soul Wars box, you don't have to expand past that if you want. You can play a full game of Age of Sigmar with just your uh, start collecting box. So this is going to be coming out June 30th. They've got a big rollout of a lot of stuff. Besides this, they've got uh, the General's Handbook. They've got the core set. They've also releasing some more of the units that are in the core set as push to fit models they're they're like 15 bucks a piece if you want to flesh out uh, some of the units they have they have scenery dice they have di they have a bunch of accessories you don't really need but they're there if you want them. but they're there if you want them. <laughs> they make some uh, really sweet stuff they're, like I said the quality is top-notch a lot of people have been saying that in their in their impression this core set is the best core set they've seen anywhere especially within games workshop even topping the dark imperium from 40k in my opinion it definitely does top dark imperium which i think 
was pretty difficult to do since Dark Imperium was the best that they've done before that. So that's Age of Sigmar, second edition. If anybody's interested in checking out a miniatures game, this is a good way to start. Yes, it, there is that initial input of money, but with this one box, you can have tons of fun and try out a miniature game. Travis, thank you so much for joining us. And I think you and I need to go downstairs and throw down some dice. I think we do. So Travis and I just talked about the Age of Sigmar miniature war games, and I just want to tell you about a fantastic product that Miniature Market has for miniature games. They actually have a product called Game Plus Products, which is a bag and individual pieces of pluck foam that you can use for your miniatures. Granted, it doesn't have to be for Age of Sigmar. It could be for any types of miniatures. If you want to store miniatures from Mansions of Madness or any of your other games that have miniatures, these pluck foam products are fantastic because they range anywhere from like one inch pluck foam up to like three to four inches and they're only $7.99 a piece and the bag itself is only 40 and you could stack many of these trays inside this bag or just store these trays individually what's really neat though is that they were at origins and, and they're going to be at gen con and they have a run a con special those pluck foam trays are only seven dollars and if you want to get terrain for your miniature games, they have a new line of terrain called Tiny Terrain. And those pieces of terrain, like little small trees and wells and, and walls, they range from anywhere from one to two bucks a piece. They make them right there at Miniature Market. And they also have their own line of card sleeves. Now, Tony, when I was talking to them, I was, they said, this is only a, a buck a pack. I, what? I said, are they penny sleeves? And they went, oh, no. Check these out. Tony, those things are like ultra pro sleeves. They're thick. They have ones that are transparent, ones that are opaque with different colors. For a pack of 60 at a convention, only one buck, Tony. One dollar. You can order those products online. It is more expensive online, but only like buy another 50 cents to a dollar or so. But I'm just telling you, if you're at Gen Con and you need pluck foam or some sleeves or some terrain, you need to go to their booth and check them out. And for that and other great games, you can go to miniaturemarket.com slash rdtn i am so glad you made it home sir i worried about you especially with all this stuff going on with american airlines and psa I, when i heard that i was like "Ooh, i wonder if marty got home all right sunday night yeah we had some computer issues or something with the airlines and it's been canceling a lot of flights around here but no no, got home uh, just fine, and I've uh, recuperated, and I got home and immediately jumped into that uh, Age of Sigmar miniatures game that we just talked about, and been playing that with Travis, and uh, getting ready for the next adventure, I guess. Which is? Dice Tower Con. Oh, that's right. You're going to Dice Tower Con in July. In Florida. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In fact, uh, I'll be at Dice Tower Con and I will be doing the live show every single day on the Dice Tower YouTube channel with Chaz Marler of Paradise Paradise. Hey, I got something I need you to take to him. Okay, what's that? A razor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's getting kind of woolly, wasn't he? It's the summer. I mean, you may not have humidity in Oregon, but when you get down to Orlando, you're not going to want that on your face. Yeah, he's going to be hurting. That's going to be very, very warm. I, I saw those pictures. I'm like, is that Chaz? 
I'm like, what are you got, got a picture with? Oh, I got to do another shout out to one of our um, listeners. Oh, I like shout outs. Go ahead. Who Chris, is Chris, thank you so much for my Lord of the Rings stuff. Wait to help me drive that knife home in Marty's back. Oh my gosh. Was that not so nice of him? It's the brand new maps from uh, Lord of the Rings and... I don't know. Do you like maps? I freaking love maps. I love them. How else am I going to go anywhere if I don't have a map? Yeah, man. So uh, I'm excited. It is going to happen. It is going to happen. We are going to set aside a time and, and we're going to play. I went by and, and actually talked to Cubicle 7 Origins and told them, you know. We got all the books. We got we the got stuff. We got all the books we need. Now we've got Chris to set us up with some maps. We got GM screens. It's just Getting the time and getting it done. But we'll do it. We got characters created. It's just sitting down and doing it now. Didn't over at Origins Awards, didn't they win for Lord of the Rings? Actually, Tony. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> they did. In fact, I, there was a lot of big people that we liked that, that won games there. But yes, the best role-playing game of the year is Adventures in Middle-Earth. How awesome is that? That is awesome. Someday we'll play it, I hear. And another big shout out to our sponsor, Broken Token, who won for the best game accessory of the year, the Terraforming Mars Organizer. Ooh, which you have that helps our Terraforming Mars games go off with out a hitch. Easy to do. And a big congratulations to the Hall of Fame inductee, Eric M. Long. They had his name wrong on his badge at uh, Origins, and it was Eric Long. Okay, that's fine. I know Eric didn't make fun of that or have any fun. Uh, oh, we did have some fun with it. Oh, I bet he did. Azul, of course, won. And then Isaac Childress for Gloomhaven. The juggernaut just keeps rolling on. Yep. And best card game of the year, Ex Libris from Renegade. So congratulations to Renegade. It's really cool to see uh, Origins Awards mean something. Because remember in the past, it's like the awards went out to these games that nobody really knew or cared about. And now these are all legitimate winners from the best miniatures games of like Warhammer 40K, etc. These are all legitimate winners. Congratulations to them all, especially to our sponsor, Broken Token. And... <laughs> Adventures in Middle Earth, which we'll eventually get to the table. And I got another shout out. A a big thank you. Oh, hold on, the- hold on. Before you shout this one out, I got a question for you, though. You said everybody, best collectible game, Star Wars Destiny. Obviously, we in Charlotte are missing it. <laughs> well, it's from last year. Last year, we were super into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad game or anything, because I loved playing it. It was a blast. But I'm like, it's still alive. It's because it, remember, people are voting on this. So obviously, there are some really strong fan followings behind this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to be very local, though. No, it's not. So, what else are you going to shout out? I was going to give a big shout out to Emily Detmer, who uh, I was uh, with her and uh, her husband, Joe, at the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund dinner with Chaz. They had bid to come to the dinner with Chaz and myself. She gave us. A hand-sewn squirrel holding a moon pie. I saw that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That was super nice of her. That, I mean, I love that thing. I got I to gotta show that to you, man. It's, it's, it's cute. I'm sure it's real neat. It's more than neat. It's cute. It's incredible. Which, by the way, once again, we knew it. The Incredibles 2 killed Solo. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. Not even close. Not even. Not uh-huh. even. I, I think it's almost <laughs> in the first weekend, it like made more than Solo did over the first several weeks. Yeah. Sad. 
It's so, oh man, I mean, I mean, it's like, oh, good gosh, $182 million on its opening weekend, highest Pixar film. I'm like, you knew it would be there. I mean, mm. we saw it and uh, mixed emotions. I mean, there is one scene that hurt. I, will, I was chuckling so much and the rest of the theater was laughing, but I was just like, okay, I'm kind of, mm, I don't know which story I'm liking better, but still it is a definite See, you got to see it theater or not. You, you really need to take your time out to go see Incredibles too. But speaking of good things to notice out there in the world, there's a <laughs> Kickstarter. Good things to notice. Hey, I noticed that. I noticed it's, that. Hey, it's good. It's, look at that. That looks good. There is a new Kickstarter. We have mentioned other Kickstarters like this. And yes, this is a shout out to a Kickstarter. But the reason why is because it involves food. This is going to be a Kickstarter where it is called the Edible Games Cookbook. Now, it went live June 20th, and I was looking at some of the pictures that are out there, and it's about making a board game game from food. And I'm like, this is cool, like making a checkerboard and all this, and, and making a victory point. Tra- it, it, this whole thing is around how you can make a game with food. Yes, you can buy chocolate monopolies and things like that, but put your creative self in place here. You need to go out and do it for yourself. So guys, if you've got some spare cash floating around, then I say go over to the Kickstarter and take a look at the Edible Cookbook. That's right. The Edible Games Cookbook that is out there now on Kickstarter. Yes, that's our one Kickstarter plug for the show. I'm done. That was a good one. I like that. I actually saw uh, some emails about that floating around. That does look cool. We talked about the cookbook that came out where you would try to do role-playing cookbooks. We talked about Mm -hmm. that. I mean, we're always looking for the neat little accessories that are out there that may need some help. Also, okay, fine. I'm not done. Do you remember the little stick for figures that you could have gotten at Toys R Us before it went under? Yes. Did you ever buy any? I did not. Why not? I, I don't know. Where are we going with this? Well, first off, if you had, you could sell them now for around 60 to $70. Well, I wish I had. I do too. So the gentleman who does the Stickfuzz reviews, that is tough for me to say, has a Kickstarter going on. And if you um, watch his videos, by all means, give him some port. You know what, Marty? What's the YouTube channel? The YouTube? Just type Stickfuzz. Well, I don't know. I, uh, are you going to have a link in the blog post or something for this? Of course I'm going to have a link in the blog post about this. Because, I mean, <sighs> they're just cute. It's cute anime. Don't hurt me. What do you mean hurt you? How am I hurting You're you? You're rolling my, your eyes at me. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm hurting myself. I'm looking at the back of my brain. Okay, it's taking me a minute to process that. <laughs> I'm not really sure where that one's going. But that's I, okay. don't I don't know. So anyway, just, you know, I get out there on Kickstarter. I'm looking at a few things and that's, that's just me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll shut up now. I have seen his stuff before. Just include a link to it in the, um, in the blog post that you can go check out at rolldicetechnames.com. Did you ever fix the issue that we had going on with the website? Yes, I did. We're now a secure website, baby. Yeah. And that, so we solved the problem for the Viagra commercials. HTTPS colon backslash backslash www.rolldicetechnames.com. Well, I mean, last Kickstarter that we mentioned, Gorius Maximus, got funded in 12 hours. Oh, yeah, baby. And he's over 20,000 and had a great time hanging out with Connor at Origins. He's a fantastic guy, except he likes to break your back every time he sees you because he wants to give you a hug and he picks you up and he swings you around. Those Canadians are so nice, except for the one that I roomed with. Jamie's a Canadian? No. Okay. The other one. The other one. Yeah, the one who who murdered my uh, wife. Actually, it was my husband. 
You were the wife? Well, you you have multiple characters. One of my female characters married his male character, so yeah. See, you've piqued my interest with that game. Okay, look, I'm just ta- I'm giving you fair warning, okay? If you play it, you cannot be moaning and whining three hours into it. Wow, three hours, huh? See, now now my interest is waned. Minimum. Oh that's just gosh. to get to the meat of it. Wow, that's I just break out StarCraft. If you're gonna make me sit around that long. I'd like to break out StarCraft, to be honest with you. I'd like to break out of this episode. Welcome back. Thanks for bringing me all this great fun. Can't wait to play it and talk about it again on the next Rolling Dice. Wow, that's different. We've never done it that way before. Are we changing the ending? Are we going to do it differently now than we have the other 146 times? Uh, I'm always looking for something different. I'm always trying to throw something at you. Okay, go ahead. Do it again. Do it again. I'll be ready this time. Okay, are you sure you'll be ready? I'm I'm, I'm queued up. All right. So once again, thanks for coming back from Origins and bringing me all this goodness so that we can talk about it again on the next Rolling Dice. And taking names. How's that? Uh, The names was a little strung out. Let's do it again. All right. Do it one more time. Take three. Take three. So thanks for coming home. Glad you made Uh it. Right. And so we can talk about it again on the next Uh Rolling Dice. And taking names. That's good. So ends another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Twitter at Dice and Names, Instagram Dice and Names, like us on Facebook, join our BGG Guild 1589. And if you want to support the show, you can do so at podpledge.com slash RDTN. Okay, Tony, imagine being asleep in bed, all snuggly and, and cozy in bed, and then at 2.30 in the morning, six guys walk into your room singing... Marty, that would have given me nightmares. Seeing the video of them dancing is what gave me the nightmares. If you are lucky enough to go ahead and get Detective pre-ordered, congratulations. Hype, 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 hype. Yeah, it's an incredible game. Incredible. We've never played a lick of it. We haven't seen it, but it's incredible, incredible, incredible. Detective is out there. Look for it at Gen Con when Ignacy gets it. It'll be in your uh, local store soon enough. But he's already working on other things. As a matter of fact, something that's really got my curiosity up, and that is the Robinson Crusoe Mystery Tales expansion that's coming, where he mm. goes down to the lost city of Z. Now, if you haven't heard, probably because you haven't, because we haven't talked about it, Marty and I got something special planned for Robinson Crusoe in upcoming episodes. Yes, we do, baby! Yes, we do. So be sure to go over to portalgamespl en and check out all of Ignacy's announcements, especially through his informant channel that he has on YouTube. He's always got great information out there as well as some of his recordings from the UK Game Expo. So be sure to check that out. Once again, that is portalgames.pl slash en. <laughs>